passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome into another episode of the Swamp 247 Recruiting Show. My name is Jacob Rudner alongside Swamp 247 Recruiting Analyst Blake Alderman. And Blake, uh, this is the show of all shows, I suppose, uh, for the Swamp 247 Recruiting Podcast. Florida's early signing day period uh, started December 21st. We are recording this in the afternoon on December 22nd. Uh, Gators bring in 20 true freshmen. They signed them all Uh, on December 21st, which was the first day of that early signing period. And here we are now, uh, I guess, to assess everything that's gone on with Florida's recruiting, dating all the way back uh, from when this staff took over to, you know, their first true signing day, that bump class signing day. Uh, I I guess I'll take your your initial thoughts first. Again, 20 true freshmen signed, plus you have Tony Livingston, who was a 2022 gray shirt officially announced yesterday. Uh, plus transfer defensive lineman Caleb Banks. So 22 players in total on the first day, National Signing Day, uh, of the early signing period. What what are your thoughts overall on this group? You know, I think from top to bottom, I think that they obviously hit a lot of needs. You know, you obviously, you know, look at Florida's quarterback room, guy like Jade Rashada, five-star quarterback. Certainly the the route you want to take, you know, whenever you're trying to to raise the talent level in that room, being able to add a five-star talent like that, that's that's what the doctor ordered, you know, on top of just the talent he has from from on paper with stars and rankings and whatnot. Um, you know, you look at the stats, he's a guy that, you know, is a throw-first guy but has some wheels if he needs to get out of the pocket. I think there's a lot of pieces of his game that obviously fit into what you want to do offensively if you're Florida. So, you know, this isn't just a guy where Florida just took a five-star quarterback and it looks great on paper, but he doesn't quite fit schematically what you want to do. I mean, this is one that checks off all the boxes on all fronts. You know, I, I think wide receiver, you look at the uh, the wide receiver room in general, Florida it was was dealing with the injury bug this season um, that just passed, and you could kind of see the depth issues there. You know, I think overall, you know, you look at that wide receiver room and, 
you know, maybe outside of Ricky Pearsall, you didn't really see any of those guys really get a lot of separation. You, know, you, you could see that they're lacked overall speed. Maybe there's some guys that are, you know, red zone type guys, possession type guys, those bigger body guys that still move fairly well, but just don't have that breakaway speed. You know, you bring in Aiden Mizell, you bring in Andy Jean, you bring in um, Eugene Wilson the third. All those guys are really, you know, maybe more so Wilson and Mizell are more speed guys. You know, they have track speed. Um, so, you know, that that's one area where I really like, you know, offensively they, they hit on well. You know, offensive line, I think that they did an okay job overall. You know, I think whenever you look at, you know, their class of, of Najee Harris, Roderick Kearney, and uh, Bryce Lovett, you know, I, I, I obviously they've got, you know, a guy in Lovett that is probably more of a flexibility guy, can play some guard, can play some tackle. Whereas, you know, Harris and Kearney are more of those interior type of guys, whether they be guards or centers or whatnot. So, you know, I think whenever you look at the offensive line, I would have liked to see them address the offensive tackle position a little bit harder. I think that that's one area where they needed to get better at. Some of those guys, where you look at them on paper, you see the size, you know, even watching film of how they move. You know, there isn't one guy that's a certified, you know, day one even, you know, guy that's going to come in and make an early impact at that tackle position. So, I think that's one area where you would want to address that in the portal. Um, if not, that's going to carry a, a, an even bigger need over to the 2024 cycle. You know, running back, they, it seemed like they wanted to land two this cycle. Um, you know, you get a guy in Trey on Webb who really fits that power run, you know, zone run, you know, types of, of, of kind of running style that what you've seen Billy Napier want to do with running back. So, you know, I they've off, off, already have offered a guy that's in the portal, so they're obviously looking around. And, uh, you know, making sure that, you know, that they still do their due diligence in that running back room. Um, you know, with tight end, you know, Tony Livingston is one guy that does carry over from the 2022 cycle to, you know, this cycle where he'll be there this coming spring. You know, being a gray shirt, which means that, you know, yes, he's a 2022 signing. You know, he was a guy that was, you know, in that class, had signed his letter of intent with Florida. But being a gray shirt meant that he would academically start his college career off, whether that be at Florida or at, you know, a community college or somewhere closer to home, taking those credits and getting things done academically, but wouldn't join the team until the semester after. So instead of right. the fall, he'll be there this coming spring. So he'll be there in January for Florida to join the team and, you know, really you know, start his athletic clock whenever he does enroll there in the spring. You know, on the defensive side, defensive tackle, big area of need for Florida. You could tell whenever you see the numbers that they have in the class that that was a big area of focus. Um, I think they've done a great job getting guys that, you know, can come in and make an early impact, you know, whether it be a guy like Kelby Collins, who we've talked about on the show plenty of times, where a guy that, you know, he's a guy that we're very high on with his with his ability to move around the defensive line. You know, I, I think if you could be, you know, kind of kind of picky there, you know, you obviously you add Caleb Banks there too, who's a guy that measured six foot seven, three hundred and I think ten pounds. Um, a, a somewhat over 300 pounds whenever he took that official visit to Florida. That's someone that certainly seems like he has the length to move around, but could have the weight there to play on the interior part. But I think top to bottom, you know, Florida's roster needs defensive tackle was a big need for them. You know, as far as the high school ranks early, you know, I think Will Norman seems like the only guy that really kind of fits that defensive tackle, you know, true, you know, nose three technique, you know, part of that interior part there. So I think if you're being a little stickly there, you know, that that's probably one area where you would have liked to see them do better. You know, obviously you miss on a guy like Jordan Hall who went to Georgia, you know, you don't, you're not able to flip John Walker from UCF who's you signed with them on the first day of the early signing period. You could tell Florida was still looking for some interior guys on that defensive line and they weren't able to do that. So uh, linebacker, Jaden Robinson was the only guy there. You know, I thought that that was an area where they could have really improved a lot of things at there. You know, there were some, even some guys that, you know, this cycle, 
that they kicked the tires on, but you never really saw them. You know, some some you went all go for. You know, Ford obviously was trying to flip Malik, uh, Malik Bryant through the fall there. You know, seems things seemed to kind of fall off there as, as it got closer to signing day. There were just some guys that they never really seemed to be pull, pushing for full go. Um, which was kind of a head scratcher for me as far as, you know, just the needs, you know, you have in that room. So portal is one area where I think you'll see them address that area going forward, you know, to try to bolster that up in the spring. And and certainly that's going to carry over to the 2024 cycle defensive back. You know, I'm including all these guys together because that defensive back classes, I mean, it's rather large, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of guys really was another area of focus between corners, safety, you know, guys that can play in the nickel there. So they really hit on a lot of things there. So I think overall from top to bottom, you look at the class, you know, first and foremost, they hit on a lot of areas of need. Could they have done a little bit better of, you know, maybe filling out a couple more? Absolutely. Um, You know, I think from one area, you know, you you saw, um, you know, I guess from past cycles where I've seen some commitments there, I'm like, man, you know, they really took this guy now or they took this guy in general. There really weren't too many head scratchers. Or, you know, if there were, there were very few this cycle. I mean, I can't really think of any off the top of my head where I'm like, well, why are they taking this guy? Like, this guy should not be here. So I think that you look at their class, I really like the balance they have there. I don't think they really took any major stretches in this class of what I've seen in the past and some, you know, from covering Florida recruiting. I think one, probably one of the biggest criticisms top to bottom is, you know, the lack of, you know, those five-star, you know, yes, Jade Rashada is a five-star guy, but I, I think just a deeper class of, you know, more top 100 guys or five-star firepower, you know, the elites in that class. You know, sure. if you want to continue to compete, not only in the SEC, but just in the country with how, you know, you, you see the usual suspects that make the college football playoffs. They're the ones who are usually at the top of the uh, college football recruiting rankings. So if you want Florida, if, if Florida wants to turn the corner and recruit well, you know, recruiting good is great. You know, that, that's, that's fine. But if you recruit great, that's how you get those elite players because you can, you know, develop those elite players into, you know, really big time players that help you make the college football playoff run. No, no doubt about it. And I, I, I think the big thing for me is that this is a fine class. I, I, th- I would go as far as to call it a fine class. I think that there are areas of great strength, which you outlined. I think that uh, the defensive back room, despite missing on a guy like Cormani McLean, uh, is very good. Uh, I think that there, you know, Jaden Rashada is a very strong addition. We've talked about him plenty. And Kelby Collins is a very good player. Uh, you know, for for me, the the big thing with this class, I feel like there was something left to be desired towards its end, towards the finish. Uh, and and if you go over to Swamp247.com, I think that that's something that's kind of dominated the conversation to a degree. Uh, in recent weeks, it's how Florida closed out. Guys like Mark <clears throat> Fletcher picking Miami, uh, Jordan Hall, who you mentioned, going to a place like Georgia. And and while I think that that leaves something to be desired as we move forward with this new coaching staff, I would also say that it places an immediate emphasis on the transfer portal. Like you said, uh, there, there is a great need at several positions for Florida to bolster its roster uh, via transfer, whether that's inside linebacker. That's a place that's very thin. Uh, outside linebacker is exceptionally thin. Isaiah Nixon mutually parted ways. Florida's class ends up at UCF. That was a guy who profiled as somebody who ends up in that Jack linebacker, outside linebacker position. They only have three scholarship guys on the roster there right now. That's an incredibly thin room uh, that is in need of an immediate infusion of talent. So do I think that this is a good group? Yes. Number 12 overall uh, in 2023 recruiting its fifth. Uh, in the SEC, and I think that that leaves something to be desired. Do I think it's bad? No, I don't think. Blue chip ratio is really good in the class for sure. Blue chip ratio is great, you know. So, like, I, I guess the the trend that we have seen from past, you know, to recent football recruiting cycles, you know, just under Florida, is you've seen some of those guys where 
you miss on, you know, maybe A, B, and C target, and you start to move down to the bottom of the barrel. You know, I know that sounds mean, but you start to take those guys just to take a guy just to take him. And I don't think there was any any panic there for that. You know, again, the transfer portal does become more of a thing. So, you know, I, I think that that could be just an area where you can obviously fall back on. But, you know, I, I agree with everything you're saying as far as, you know, they needed some more of that firepower in this class. But, you know, I think one thing is just the blue chip average is really good. You know, I, I haven't, at least from – memory can't remember any in, in recent history that have been as good as what they're looking at right now. Yeah, no. And, and I think that that's my point. I think that this is a good group. I think that it's balanced in terms of, you know, you don't have a lot of those guys within the class who are question marks or even project type players. Uh, I, I think that the balance in terms of guys who are, uh, whose, whose potential is really strong coming out of high school who, who fit that blue chip ratio is, is impressive. I would also give a lot of credit to the staff for how well it recruited its footprint. Uh, I know that that was a conversation in the latter years of the Mullen tenure. Uh, we joke about it all the time over at Swamp 247. Right, right. And, and, and we joke like that, but, but it is important for Florida to be able to dominate, you know, within its 500 mile radius. A lot of the most successful teams nationally are able to do that before they start to go national in terms of their reach and they bring the best players from their area and they get them on campus and they keep them there. So uh, I, I do, I think that Florida could do a better job recruiting the state of Florida. Of course, there were several prospects from the state who I think fans would have loved to have seen end up in the class. Do I think that Florida failed in its footprint by no means at all? No, I think that this was a, a really solid first showing within the state of Florida, within that 500 mile radius. And overall, again, I think it was solid. I, I, you know, we've seen a lot of reactions where people are like, oh, this is a, a super underwhelming group. I, I couldn't disagree more. I think that this is a, a fine group, if not a, a good group. Uh, I think that there are some real bright spots in this class. I think that they brought in a group of players uh, who has the who have the potential to contribute quite early, which brings me to my next topic. Billy Napier did not comment uh, when asked during his press conference on the first day of signing day, December 21st. Somebody asked him how many guys he expects of this freshman crop to contribute right away. And it's a conversation that will hold quite important uh, as the 2023 season gets closer because the amount of attrition Florida has had within its roster will force a lot of these guys to have to play, you know, too deep type roles, uh, you know, critical reserve roles. My, my, my question for you and your analysis, how many guys here do you think are real contributors right away? Uh, who, who should we be watching as spring ball rolls through, especially with 18 early enrollees, which you wrote about, uh, who, who should we keep an eye on? Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there. To-
to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. You know, I think whenever you look, you know, yeah, Florida has landed a commitment for Wisconsin quarterback transfer Graham Mertz. Um, you saw what Jack Miller did in the bowl game. There was some struggles in that game. You know, I, I think you have to mention Jade Rashada. You know, I, I don't think in a perfect world or an ideal situation, this is a, you know, maybe out of the gate unless there's just some, I mean, he has to just crush it this spring, you know, because he'll be there for an early enrollee. You know, I, I think that that would be one to where, you know, you would probably want to count on some of the guys that have been there, transfer portal guys like Mertz before you throw in a true freshman like that, you know, especially when you start off the season next year on the road against Utah. Um, you know, but I think that just have the way the room is shaped up, you know, if, if Jack Miller isn't the guy, if Graham Mertz doesn't work out, you know, I don't think it's crazy by any means to see that Jade Rashada gets some some spin in that, you know, in that offense as a, as a freshman, whether that be making an appearance in, in some type of reserve position earlier in the season, uh, whether he takes the reins by whatever unforeseen circumstance down the season, you know, as, as things continue. So I think he's one to watch for sure, you know. So that, that's one guy off the top of my head. You know, Kelby Collins, I think, is another guy whenever you look at – Again, we mentioned that, you know, Florida probably could have a little bit better of a job on that interior part of the defensive line. Kelby Collins has that versatility to where you can move him around. Another guy that's going to be an early enrollee. So those are the guys, you know, first and foremost, early enrollees are the ones that usually make the earlier impact if you're going to play a freshman. That's just how it is. Unless you're, like, coming in, you know, as, as a you know certified, you know, dude, you know. so Unless you're Eugene he's, Wilson. Certified dog. So, you know, that's one guy, um, Kelby Collins. You know, I, I think Dijon Johnson, you know, the fact that he's got that versatility, you saw where Florida really wanted to address parts in the defensive backfield. Um, and I think that that's just a plug-and-play type guy that has played corner in high school. I think he projects best as a safety. Um, you know, I think you could probably even throw him in some nickel situations depending on, you know, how things work out with him. So I think him being that Swiss Army knife utility type player in the secondary – could trend for him to get some of that early playing time. You know, I really do want to mention Eugene Wilson just because I think he's got that electric, you know, playmaking, you know, can make you miss in a phone booth type of, you know, game that he brings. I mean, you watch his highlight tape. I mean, he is literally a walking highlight, you know, every play, you know, he's, I mean, it's, it, if you have, if you have a chance to watch the senior tape, it's really good. Um, but he's very small in stature you know, is that a guy that gets hit by an SEC linebacker and gets broken half? You know, sure. that's something not an early enrollee type of guy. So whereas I, I don't think it's absolutely crazy that 
a guy with his dynamic playmaking ability could come in and get some spin on offense. I don't think that's completely crazy, but just there's a lot of factors, I guess, in at least in my opinion, that are working against him. Um, you know, Jakeem Jackson, I think, is an interesting one because I normally wouldn't say that he's probably somebody that is going to come in and make an early impact. You know, I, but he's going to be an early enrollee. He's a guy that has is fairly new to the cornerback position. And I say that because his senior year was his first year playing as a full-time defensive guy. You know, yes, he did play offense as well, but, you know, he was a wide receiver before he made that transition to where he's, you know, being recruited as a defensive back, you know, playing that full-time defensive back part, you know, to where he's not a guy that's, you know, just an offensive guy. Uh, You know, he he moves really well. I think he could be a guy that impacts, you know, maybe in the return game on special teams. Um, I I think he's probably – Whereas he comes in with a lofty ranking, he comes in and does a lot of things. You know, I really like his game a lot. He's one of my favorite guys that's in Florida's class. I do think that he's still a bit of a project, and I say that just because he's still learning the position. You know, is he someone that comes in in the spring, you know, really thrives under Corey Raymond? You know, so I, I maybe that's my bias showing for him just because I do really like him. You know, I think he's one of the, my favorite players in the class. But I think there's just little things he does and, you know, what he brings to the table that, you know, I, I don't think it's crazy for a guy like that to come in and, and get some early playing time. Uh, you know, you mentioned the jack position to where it is very thin. And I think depending on what Florida does in the portal with that, because I think that's ideally where you want to address that that position. But, you know, TJ Searcy was a guy that was recruited to play that jack position. He'll be there in the spring. I guess they'll get a chance to see how he plays in that. You know, he's a guy that's played tight end in high school. He's played outside linebacker. He's also put his hand in the dirt as, as you know, more of a five technique, rushing right. the edge type of guy. So, I think that that's someone that could play out of necessity. Um, you know, defensive line in general, when you look at a lot of these guys, I don't think it's completely crazy that a lot of these guys are already in early enrollees. You know, the only guy in Florida's class right now on the defensive line that's not an early enrollee is Gavin Nix. So you're going to have all these guys at a position that you really need some players at, that you really needed to find out who you can count on. So I don't think it's crazy at all to see any of those guys on the defensive line because it has been such a big need. They're selling that early playing time. They're all going to be early enrollees. I don't think it's it's crazy that you find maybe one, two, maybe you try gold and it's the entire group that you brought in. I, I sure. doubt that. But I'm sure you can find a handful of those guys on the defensive line that are going to get in there in the spring. They're going to learn the system and they're going to be, you know, maybe like a Chris McClellan type this past season who had to play out of necessity. Granted, in his snaps, he got better as the season went on, and he's someone that they certainly could count on. But, you know, you really don't ever want to be in a position to have to count on a true freshman, and Florida's just sadly in that position right now. So I think that it's not crazy. You know, I feel like for defensive line, you know, if you take those guys that are early enrolling, put a blindfold on and throw a dart, you know, you're going to hit someone that I think is going to have to be counted on at some point. Yeah, I I think that that's, you know, really valuable analysis. One guy who I will bring up, and I'm not – necessarily suggesting that I think he's going to play right away or that he's ready for it. But if we're going to talk roster situation and how, you know, thinner position groups might force younger guys who are maybe or may not be ready uh, into roles where they have to contribute. Jaden Robinson is kind of one of in, in those positions. It is extremely thin uh, that inside linebacker position on Florida's roster so much so that Billy Napier actually called it a great need during signing day, after adding Robinson to the class, it's still an extremely thin position. I, I could see, uh, you know, a situation where Robinson proves himself in a practice setting, shows that he's ready, uh, and, and does earn some some reps to a degree. I, and we saw that with a guy like Miguel Mitchell. So before people rule it out in the comments that he's not ready, I don't think that anybody would have gone into the 2022 season and logically told me. Miguel Mitchell's a guy who's going to play in the majority of the games this season and contribute in some of them. I would have called you crazy 
I, I think Jaden Robinson has the potential, uh, mostly due to Florida's roster situation, to have a similar impact. And whether that's on special teams uh, or he gets thrown out there for limited reps on defense, I could see him kind of being the Miguel Mitchell of the 2023 season. I, I, I can I can envision that unfolding similarly. So that will be my uh, you know, bonus uh, signing class guy to throw into the hat in terms of early contributors. One thing I'm going to ask you, Blake, where does this team need to prioritize in the transfer portal? We've seen the bulk of the high school recruiting done. Uh, if there are more high school additions, it's just going to be a couple. Uh, moving <clears throat> forward, Billy Napier said as much yesterday, but that doesn't mean they're done recruiting. And in fact, there are some great needs that still exist on this roster. Where are they and what does this team really need to attack in order to put itself in a healthy situation moving forward? You know, I think linebacker, you know, whether you're talking Jack outside linebacker guys, Mike linebackers on the inside there, you know, I think across the board linebackers, one of those positions. So I think that that's an area where, you know, Jay Bateman and, and Mike Peterson, you know, Florida's uh, inside linebackers coach and outside linebackers coach, the pair of them. I think they're really going to need to take a, some attention in the portal there. Um, Tarada Mitchell is one guy that's had some buzz to Florida. You know, I already have a transfer portal crystal ball in for him, the Ohio State linebacker. Um, I have one in there. He's already in the transfer portal. I think that, you know, that's a guy there's a lot of confidence on Florida's side that he ends up, you know, transferring there. He's going to take part in Ohio State's college football playoff game uh, later this month. So we'll see <clears throat> whether he's a guy that makes this a quick decision after that game. You know, the, the, the dead period for transfer portal guys ends a little earlier than high school guys. So Rolling over to January 4th, you know, these transfer guys can start taking some visits again, whether it's unofficial OVs, you know, any of those types of things. So, you know, linebacker across the board, you know, I think defensive tackle, you know, one area where they, you know, take a look in the portal and see there, you know, just ideally, you know, you want to have someone in there that has some game experience at the college level. You don't want to have to count on some of these true freshmen. You know, I think sure. Florida could still very well be in a position where, you know, some of these guys on that defensive line class from the high school ranks are going to be baptized by fire. They're going to be thrown in the mix early. Whether Florida does well in the transfer portal at defensive tackle or not, I still think that those are guys that you're going to need to count on just because of the depth that's in that room. So, you know, edge guys, inside linebackers, defensive tackle, um, you know, I, I think offensive tackle is an area where they need to get better at. And if there's someone in there in the portal that you feel like can make an impact for you there, you know, I think when you look at Florida's roster, I think they're fairly set on interior type of guys between the guard and the center position. From a recruiting standpoint, from what the staff previously before them, that also recruited interior guys really well. So I think Florida's you know, pretty well set there. Previous staff did not recruit offensive tackles well. Florida has struggled with some of those true offensive tackles, you know, since they've been there. So I think that that's an area where, you know, you could e easily have a guy that comes in from the portal, um, kind of shores that up in there, whether it's a left tackle, right tackle. Florida's got some guys like Austin Barber, you know, that, that could be, you know, serviceable there. So I don't think that Florida's in panic mode, you know, DEPCON one type situation there, sure. but I do think that it, it, it's certainly an area. So, you know, offensive tackle, Linebacker across the board, defensive tackle. Those are the ones that really jump out the most to me that are probably like the biggest dire needs there. You know, could you get another running back out of the portal? Sure. They've obviously landed a commitment from Graham Mertz at the quarterback position. You know, I think that you look at the turnovers that he's had and he struggled with over the career there. You know, I don't think it's – I don't think I'd call you insane if maybe Florida dabbles and sees what else is in there in the portal at quarterback position. You know, but I, I don't know that I would put the running back and quarterback in, in that same – category of importance as you know the, the linebacker the defensive tackle and the offensive tackle 
Can I can I give you one more? I'm going to give you one more. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I, I've been posting about this over on swamp247.com on our message board, just kind of talking about uh, the situation at this position and my thoughts on the group overall. Uh, I think that we are at a point where a transfer portal tight end would be of great benefit to this team. Uh, I think that they have the numerical depth at the position. I believe off the top of my head, uh, they'll be at seven scholarship players at the position or six scholarship players at the position. Uh, when you add Tony Livingston to the room, my issue, however, is that I don't really feel like they have a true full service player as a part of that unit who is ready to play. Uh, I think that Jonathan Odom is a guy who kind of profiles from a skill set perspective as somebody who might be able to be a reasonable blocker and a reasonable pass catching tight end. However, he suffered what appeared to be a serious knee injury uh, in the Las Vegas Bowl that could hold him out for a considerable amount of time. Uh, I don't think that you want to go into the spring with what I would go as far as to call one-dimensional tight ends or really young tight ends. Uh, I think that Dante Zanders is a one-dimensional tight end. I think that he's uh, a blocking type who really belongs attached and is, is better suited in the run game than he is in the passing attack. Uh, I would say that I was talking about this before the season with you on the podcast. Uh, Keon Zipperer, to me, is a guy who profiles more as a fullback than he does even as a tight end. So, he, you know, that just speaks directly to his strength, even though he showed off an ability to catch the football this year. Uh, I, I still don't think he's as true a full-service player as the unit really needs, especially for how much this team likes to have a tight end out on the field in 12 personnel looks. Uh, I think that they would benefit a lot in the play-action game from being able to line somebody up who is an actual receiving threat, not somebody who is, uh, you know, a subpar receiving threat with the ability to block. Uh, and, and so for me, I would prioritize that position. Do I think it was a mistake to not take a tight end uh, on the high school side in this class? No, I don't. I think that the the roster numbers were, were strong enough that that wasn't a priority. Uh, I, I don't know that they were really in a good enough position with any elite prospects in order to continue to make it a priority. But that being said, it doesn't make it a reason to not go try and get somebody from the portal. Uh, I think that this is kind of a prime opportunity to replenish that spot, uh, grow the position, add somebody who you think can contribute mostly in the passing game immediately, but also be a serviceable blocker. So I would, to the to the three position groups that you mentioned, I would also add tight end right up there with them. Uh, I, I think that this team would really benefit from a full service, true first full service tight end. Uh, and, and with that- And you know, I, I think to add on that, sorry to cut you off, but, you no, know, I think it. one thing, I think with tight end, like I agree with a lot of points you said, but I think that that's one where you maybe see how things shake out in spring ball, you know, I, I I haven't checked in the transfer portal recently. You know, I couldn't tell you how many tight ends are in there, haven't committed, haven't picked a school. Every like every time I look at the transfer portal names on 24-7 sports, there's like 27 new more names in there. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, from from the guys I have, you know, you mentioned Keon, you mentioned Xanders, um, Hayden Hansen's there. You know, Arliss Boardingham is a guy that they're really excited about that, you know, was hampered by some injuries this year. Um you know, and I, I believe they've moved Andrew Savanea from the defensive side over to the tight end position as well. So that's a guy that they're, you know, I don't know that he's seen any game reps or anything, but, you know, he's a guy that, you know, was getting a lot of compliments there in the spring for, you know, just his frame. So, you know, I think that, you know, you, you bring a good point up, but, you know, I think that there's so many unknowns with that tight end room to where, you know, maybe see how things shake out in the spring. You know, it didn't seem like it was a major priority, even though they did kick the tires on a guy like Jaden Platt later who did pick uh, Texas A&M over Florida. Um, so, you know, they, they thought it was an important enough position to get a guy that's, you know, maybe more well-rounded in the part, uh, the part of, you know, having a blocker, having a pass catcher. You know, they, they thought it was important enough to kick the tires on him. So, 
you know, see how that room shakes out going forward, you know, and put it in their spring. But, you know, I think that if you don't see some growth and you don't see some impact there, guys, that, you know, for spring ball, I think you better be starting to look at some portal guys there whenever it comes time for that next spring boom of transfer right. portal guys. And I think that that's fair. I think my point is more that if I'm, you know, if I'm, if I'm the one building the roster, which I'm not, so I, you know, you take with what I say, you take what I say with a grain of salt, but you know, I, if I'm Florida, I am trying to bring in a guy who doesn't really have a whole lot of that, you know, sure. what if factor. I, I think that it would be nice for this team to set themselves up to, to be in a position at tight end where you enter spring ball with at least one guy who you go, this is somebody who we know we can count on. We sure. got him for this role to do this. And if you look at the room, I don't know that they have anybody like that right now. I think that there's a lot to be seen with how Xanders and Zipperer continue to develop. Uh, Odom has a major injury question right now. It could hold him out for a considerable amount of time that even goes, you know, for who, for who knows how long into the future. And then everybody else in the room is really young. You have Savanea, who's, you know, technically new to the position, even if he's played it in the past, you have Boardingham who's promising, but extremely young and has no college game experience, you know, in the sec, you have Hayden Hansen, who's in the same boat. You have Tony Livingston, who's in the same boat. To me, that's a very uncertain room. It's it's not exactly a stable room. And so to me, if you're Florida and there's an opportunity to go and swoop somebody up in the portal who does have a lot of the questions answered, who has the game experience. Got to be a dude. He's got to be a dude. And gotta, that's my point. Go and that's my it. point. Yeah. There, there, there's no room for them to take a question tight end again. There, there's no projects needed at this position. I'm saying that if somebody emerges in the transfer portal who is a legitimate tight end, who can show on tape hundred percent. And and you set up you that definitely. room to be in a position where you have at least one player when you start spring ball in March, who is a sure thing or close to a sure thing and, and, and has that game experience, whether it's in the SEC or another power five school, it's on tape. The stats are there. The, it's, it, the <clears> proof <throat> is in the pudding. They've done the work already. I think that this team would really benefit from somebody like that. And I'm not saying it's like a, a do or die need. I just think it's important at this point given what the rest of the room looks like. So, so maybe something to watch uh, sure. as we get deeper and closer to spring ball uh, with regard to another position group. I will throw it back to you one more time, Blake, before we close out the show. Any final thoughts uh, overall with regard to this high school class, with regard to transfer recruiting? Uh, what, what do you have to close this out? Yeah, you know, I, again, I think that this class is – very good. You know, I, I think that recruiting good in the SEC always doesn't cut the mustard. You know, you, you just look at the other teams in there. You know, Florida has the number 12 class, and I believe they finished fifth in the SEC. So, you know, a lot of those teams that are, you know, ranked ahead of them are ones that pop up on the schedule. You know, you want to close the gap with some of those teams. So I think that the, the feeling of this class, you know, from a fan standpoint, you know, I, I don't think you're going to find anyone that thinks this class is not good. You know, but I think you'll see a lot of fans that feel like, you know, getting a couple more of those elite type players totally changes the perception of what they think about this class. So, you know, 2024, you know, again, you know, it's it's, it's going to heat up more for portal season here between guys that are in the portal now that they're getting a look and continue to get a look. More guys that perhaps join the portal ranks whenever they, you know, wrap up some bowl games that are coming up there. And again, you know, Billy Napier even said after uh, his early sign or during his per early signing day press conference that whenever the early signing period and things kind of calm down to to, a, to an extent, if you could even really think that recruiting does calm down at any point of the year, um, they're going to evaluate some of these guys from the high school ranks that did not sign early. So could they expand the board in some types of positions going forward? You know, again, 
you know, Caden Jones, uh, three-star offensive tackle is one guy that did not sign early that is on Florida's board. Um, He will make his decision on January 7th at the All-American Bowl, um, but will sign in February. So that's a guy that's still on Florida's board. But could the names expand more for that, you know, next signing period? Who knows? You know, they'll evaluate things there. So Florida still could have some meat on the bones there from the high school ranks. You know, again, we'll see where things go out from there. I think portal needs to be a big focus for them if they really want to try to flip this roster with some of these guys that, you know, are coming in with some experience that you can, you know, really try to improve a lot of rooms because I think you'd be hard pressed in general to look at Florida's different position rooms and think like, yeah, they couldn't use some talent. Room. You know, I think sure. there's just about every position room for Florida where you could see that it's going to need to to have uh, a body, maybe two, maybe three, you know, whatever, you know, maybe three is getting greedy there. But I don't think there's any position where you could see that Florida could find some way to infuse that talent, whether it's raising the ceiling or raising the floor of that room. So, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out there going forward for them. And again, as we move forward here, Florida currently 12th uh, in 2023 recruiting on the 24-7 sports team rankings. Uh, they bring in 22 total players. Again, that's 20 true, true freshmen from the 2023 class. Uh, one person who will qualify as a freshman, but was a member of that 2022 class, Tony Livingston and Caleb Banks, the defensive line transfer from Louisville, announced as an addition along with those high schoolers on December 21st to give the Gators 22 new players. Uh, roster at 81 scholarship players, if you include Graham Mertz uh, and Mitchell, the Ohio State linebacker, transfer that will do it though for this episode of the swamp 247 podcast before i let you go i got to remind you as always head on over to swamp 247.com and give us a look we got constant uh flow of content football basketball baseball soon and recruiting uh you know you can subscribe for 50 percent off now until january 2nd so depending on when you listen to this podcast you might be in luck because if you subscribe using that deal you also get access to paramount plus And I can't imagine justifying skipping out on that, especially at 50% off. So I would encourage you again to head on over to swamp247.com and make sure you're getting that VIP access as well as Paramount+. And for this episode of the Swamp 247 Recruiting Show, that's going to do it. For Blake Alderman, my name is Jacob Rudner, and we will see you next time. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.